Clay, after our excitement of the Enterprise series for the arc where they entered the Delphic ex, uh, expanse in the third mm. season, I think, the, the Zindi arc, I'm sure mm-hmm. you're very excited to start uh, the Necrit expanse storyline here, which Memory Alpha tells me is one of three, so it, it's a little bit shorter. But we are entering another cloud of story potential. I bet you're excited about that. Well, honestly, <clears throat> uh, this was... This was one of my favorite episodes of the series so far, only because it's the first one in like a season and a half that gives us any idea of how much space they've traveled through. Yeah. Um, Is it, so it's instead of one light year, it's one Neelix brain of memory. Is yeah. that the, the distance? Yeah. At least they're now getting to the end of whatever quadrant he has. Uh, what's the word? <laughs> Specializes in. Yeah. It does. It does. It does bring up this episode. Does bring up a very important question that I think um, the writers are probably thinking about at this point, which is: uh, Is Neelix really need to still be on the show? <laughs> they like Neelix. The the show. Yeah, they made two of them in this one. Yeah, yeah, they made they made two. Um, they gave them a, a quite a serious, intense conversations or a storyline between them. But yeah, I, I mean, maybe we'll run out of stuff to talk about for the episode. But I, I, I think um, you know, I think that the audiences and I don't like Neelix, but I think the writers really like Neelix for some reason. Oh, um, they clearly, yeah. No, I think Neelix is one of those characters where uh, if you're working on a show, he's kind of just like a release character. Yeah. Like, I think it's the same reason why uh, Ira Bear loved the Ferengi episode so much. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. After you do 22 normal episodes, you're like, oh, man, I can't wait to get a little clown character in here. And right. Just have some clown right. stories. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure if you talk to the writers on Miami Vice, they all loved Swiatek and Zito, even though <laughs> no one else they does. Occup- <laughs> occupy basically the same space as Neelix on the show. <laughs> They get one episode a season that's just about them. We, we should do a Patreon always episode hijinks. identifying the Neelix of every single series that's ever been on TV. <laughs> Who's the Neelix character? That would be pretty good. This is Fair Trade. It is the 13th episode of the third season of Star Trek Voyager. It came out on January 8th, 1997. Rung in the new year with the Neelix episode. It is one of three of the Necrit Expanse arc. Teleplay goes to Andre Bermanis, who you might recognize as a writer on Enterprise. Story credit goes to Ronald Wilkerson and Jean Louise Mateus, directed by Jesus Salvador Trevino in Universe State, not specifically known, but it's 2373. In fair trade, a meeting with an old friend lands Neelix in an ever deepening hole of trouble. I always read his, uh, it's apropos. The only thing that's going on right now is that um, I read his name as Netflix still every time that I see it. <laughs> and we're all just talking about the streaming issues that everyone is having. And uh, that's where yes. we stand in 2023, wondering who Netflix is going to merge with and stuff like that. It, it will, we'll date the podcast. If it happens, we're right on the cusp of uh, Paramount Plus being merged with Netflix if they decide to do that. So we'll see if they do. That's it. interesting. Yeah. That's honestly good. I don't want to pay for Netflix. For- Paramount Plus. No. This is- I'm I'm like a couple months away from just not paying for Netflix at this point. So. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't had Netflix in a while. Is Netflix not interesting at this point? Uh, it's just, it's the last one on, on my list, I think, of, of ones that I... No? What a fall check. from grace. <clears throat> yeah. Every now, I, th- I, I feel like they, uh, every now and then, one or two things will pop up. You know, like they, we're watching Documentary Now, which is... 
Netflix is the only place you can really watch that without paying for it again. Yep. Um, so it's like anything. It's like, you know, one thing pops up and you go, eh, all right, I guess I'll keep it. Gotcha. Yeah, we just have Disney and HBO, mostly because HBO is bundled with our cell phone plan. So it's oh, like sure. there's no additional yeah. payment for it. Um, I find Hulu to be a, a dark horse. Yeah. That one that one is has is has pretty good stuff on it. It has um interesting interesting movie like interesting documentaries go on Hulu and things like that. Yeah. Um, and it also it seems to be the place where most TV goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um I don't know how much you've dug around on Peacock, but uh No. Peacock has probably one of the best TVs like classic tv selections yeah yeah but it's, has, I mean, it's all it's obviously it's all, all nbc, NBC yeah. yeah but it has arguably the worst movie selection yeah. i've ever seen in my life <laughs> it's like a bunch of stuff that's good like cult classic good yep like highlander grade good and then the worst movies you've ever heard of yeah yeah it's tough i mean hopefully that's maybe what the merger will fix is you just combine a bunch of shit into one yeah. one thing and we'll see where it ends although up. I will say I was uh, I was searching through Hulu today or the other day and I got to their classic film section, <coughs> the entirety of which was um, sixteen candles, yep. Saint Elmo's Fire, and Akira. The anime Akira. Yes, okay. that was the that was the entire section. So it's the eighties plus Akira, like eighties John Hughes films plus Akira. I guess is yeah, classic. pretty much. Yeah, well. We're up to a classic episode of Voyager. This one is called Fair Trade. What do you oh, think about? I forgot. White men can't jump. That was also on there. That's a that's a classic in my estimation. I don't. Know. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in a long time, but I feel like that's a that's a like a, a um. They just remade it. Yes, they did. Who who plays the characters in it? I don't know who's watching that movie. I don't know. I don't no know. Idea. Maybe me if I knew who the the actors yeah, were. No one. No one I've heard of. As, that's, but that was like a uh, it's like a signpost if that's the right expression of like movies for some reason that was a big movie when I was younger um, broke some hard truths to you it did yeah about your vertical ability <laughs> I just did squats while watching it on repeat over and over again it said I will prove you wrong it gave me the chip on my shoulder that I then sold to what's this character's name Wibby Bit Sex or something like that I have to look it's his like Wix I think w- Wix the band Wix the band Oh, it's longer? Oh, yeah, yeah, Wix I just, is a short short. I was name. just keying on Wix. Wix the band. So what did you think about Fair Trade? Um, well, uh, I th- was expecting a lot more from it because when it got to the end, I said, that's it. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Janeway ex- scene in particular or just like the entire storyline? Well, right? the Janeway scene, I actually... Well, we can talk about that in a bit. I thought that was kind of an odd scene. But, like, when it got down to the final drug deal, I checked the time because I was like, there's no way this is it. Like, it, nothing has happened in this show. Yeah. And yeah, that was it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that was the, yeah, it was uh, a pretty pretty boring episode <laughs> with uh, no real interesting story beats outside of a fairly cliche like they after pulled, school special in kind of story after school special level drug dealer my friend's a drug dealer story yeah uh i just i would kept waiting for wicks to turn on him yep 
Yeah. It never happened. No, he just fucks he just, off at the end and they're like, you got out yeah. of here real fast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they even get the scene where he's like, it's the right thing to do. And Wix is like, you're right, Neelix. I'm like, of course he's going to turn on yeah, him. No one ever says true. it's the right thing to do. That's true. I was surprised then he didn't turn. I, I, I thought there was something brewing with that because he does. He just does go like, you're right, Neelix. It's time for us to admit to our sins and move on. Yeah. And that that the tone of that final scene really threw me off because she was so, going at him so hard that it, her she had that sort of feeling where she was about to like give him really good news mm-hmm. you know like she's like fucking with him yes but apparently she actually was really that mad at him but yeah but she she ends it with I a don't smirk. Know. it was weird yeah, yeah it was a weird scene i'm not sure i didn't what'd you think i didn't think it was very good um i mm-hmm. the first time i watched it i passed out i was like laying on the couch watching it and amy says is this that ep- is this an episode that's being like, is the lead character that little troll character on the show? And I said, yes. And she said, it sounds real terrible. And I was like, it's, it's not very good. And I fell asleep. And then I had to wake up and I had to watch it again today. And it, it came across <laughs> as like slightly better on the second time through. I don't know why, mm-hmm. really. But I, like, not to spoil anything, this is like a, like, on our scale, this is like a three, but it's like one of the worst threes that can exist, really. It's like, yeah. I, there's... There's nothing really wrong with it, but it's so boring. And it's there's yeah. just no Honestly, the only thing that's really interesting about it is that like it continues the sort of like the meta conversation you can have about Voyager, which is that like this feels like a this feels like it should be a super important episode for Neelix, right? Like he's hit the end of his knowledge of being useful to the crew, right? Mm-hmm. He has in a show that was taking itself seriously, he is now dead weight on a ship that is constantly complaining that they don't have rations and energy to get home and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There should be some real conversations about how about we leave you on the nearest asteroid if you can't be any help to us. You're and, taking up a lot of air. Here, yeah, he's, he's, he's always talking and, and breathing a lot of air and exhaling a lot of CO2 that has to be put through the whatever those little gel packs are. But it's like uh, if, if Voyager itself took itself more seriously... I think there would be a a real issue at heart here that you could talk about with Neelix and like whether or not he's going to stick around, whether or not this shady backstory is interesting. This was apparently a first season idea for Neelix when they were still trying to figure out what he was because oh sure I I only barely remembered this, but he was originally kind of portrayed as more of a like a shifty character than he turned right, into, which frankly is more interesting. Yeah, if because you know I've I've talked about it before. I, I love characters who are on the good guy's side, but you can never totally trust them, even though they always come out on the good guy's side. Yeah. There's always a little bit of darkness there that makes you go, I don't know, maybe this time, maybe, maybe this, this time, time he's got he it. screws everybody up. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's, it, it's also, it's an episode where the entire, the entire thing could have just been, uh, avoided with a one-on-one meeting with his boss. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it yep. was just like essentially the scene at the end where he's like, uh, Captain, I fear I'm running out of things I can do for you. What else can I do to stay on this ship? And she'll be like, well, we're not going to kick you off the ship. You, I mean, you did design the new holodeck thing everybody seems to love. <laughs> and you also make food that, well, some people eat, but yep. not all the time. Yep. So that's kind of valuable. Um, Duvok can stomach it. He doesn't complain about it. Yeah, you know, like it's it's one of those one. I understand that it's all in his it's, head, right? Like, that's yeah, the, yeah, I I understand that, and 
I don't know. Sometimes those stories work and sometimes they don't. And in a, in a, um, office like setting that Star Trek is, it's one of those ones where I'm like, I don't know. Why didn't you just talk to you, talk to your commanding officer? Yeah. It's not like they're going to, it's not like she's going to go, you know what? You are absolutely right. I'm going to shoot you into space. Yeah. But you know, in a in a a better show, I think that's the the argument there. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess it's because the the plot's a little bit screwed up in the order because Neelix realizes that he's at the end of his knowledge before he meets Wixby or whatever this guy's name is, Wix. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, there's there's the point there where he could tell her, but you're also kind of thinking that the Wix story is like going to be the the conflict that prevents him to talking to Janeway, which it kind of does turn into that eventually, but it doesn't stop him initially in the start of the episode from being bringing up his concern with Janeway, as you're talking about. So there's like right. this staggered delay to it that kind of is um, a little bit strange. I, I think that it's also like the reason that the ending scene doesn't really work is because Voyager, knowing what Voyager is, there is no good um, solution at the end because Janeway can yell at him, but he's not going anywhere, right? right. So it's like yeah. you have this kind of serious conversation, but the conversation then ends with a smirk. After it's all said and done, it's like, well, what are we really saying about Janeway here? Like he has to mm-hmm. polish the buzzard collectors or whatever the fuck he's supposed to do for the next couple of weeks. But it's like he he did do some fairly like unbecoming shit to people here or like right. he, he was trying to. So I just feel like the, it, because the show isn't going to treat this as a running storyline and it's not going to treat this storyline as like, this is a big turning point for the Neelix character. You're stuck with an episode that when it ends, it's like, you're saying it's just like, is that it? Like that's right. all you can do with Neelix is the point. And he's going to be back to normal in the next episode. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, it was very, very uneventful. Didn't surprise me at all. Um, I guess the biggest surprise is that he was like, we need to tell people what we did. And then his friend is like, yes, we should do that. And then they do it. And the guy they tell is like, thank you for telling me. <laughs> were you were you concerned for Tom and Chakotay, knowing that they, they I might completely be executed? For, I totally forgot that that was even part of it, honestly. <laughs> but it's it's the, such a weird side thing. It's so lazy. That, yeah, it's the, incredible. The video, lazy. the guys like we saw you talking to someone who died. And then they're, they're like, <laughs> like you're guilty. And even Janeway's like, what the fuck? Like, how does this prove anything? And the guys like, it just does. Hey, you just have to accept. People it. have be, people have been convicted for worse for less. Yeah, you know? I don't know. This, yeah, this it was it was done by hearsay before the videotape came out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Is it just kind of a conversation about Neelix? I say that the writers like Neelix because he seems to. Maybe it hasn't been that way, but he, he seems to get a lot of play in the show in, in a way that doesn't really seem to ever amount to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, like you brought him up as he's kind of like the blow off steam character. But it, like if I, I think if I were a writer on the show, almost any of the other characters would be a better outlet for me, I suppose. Like, yeah, no, like there's no there's no story that I look and I go, oh, this is a perfect Neelix story. This is the one that Neelix has to right. get his yeah. hands on. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he's got some potential because he is an alien who is familiar with the people and cultures of this 
quadrant or whatever that they could do some fun weird stuff with him but i don't know it's always pretty lame yeah and that was still i still i think interesting i think we've talked about it. I, I think him knowing the area is still a bad idea because it's like all he does is he functions as in tng they would just ask the computer about what they're looking at and right. on voyager they ask neelix and half the time he doesn't know it at all he doesn't know anything mm-hmm. about the thing that he's looking at which is believable but it's like it's not additive to the series that, that's why yeah. I think that he really needed to be a complicated, more nefarious character than he actually is. Like he he needs to pose a threat, or at least like he, he, it's the way you're saying. Like people need to be unsure of what he's doing, and they keep him around because his limited knowledge of what the area is about is actually kind of useful in some way. Mm. But the show's not willing. Like you know it, it, he. Because his original conception fits in more with the first idea, which is that this is a show about the Maquis and Starfleet crews who are forced to work together and don't like each yeah. other. And he fits in the middle as kind of like a rogue agent character who's not aligned with either side and is just along for the ride. But yeah, he he has he can you can position him as someone who sees opportunity there. You know? Yeah, yeah, right. But but you know, yeah, he's. I, I, I think I think what's missing from him is he's the one character like what is his point? Like what does he have something he wants? Everybody else even if it's a broad stroke where it's like everybody who's on the ship wants to get home. Yeah, they want to get home. Ca- Cass wants to I don't know, be a doctor or something. Yeah. She wants to learn and, about herself, I think. That's her, right, her yeah. thing. Yeah. Cass is trying to g- go on Rumspringer before she dies yep. when she's three or yes. whatever. Yeah. And but Neelix is just kind of like hanging around. He's not really. I mean, <clears throat> I think that's. I, I think this episode could have been an interesting look at him if they had if they had leaned into the fact that he doesn't really have a point and he right. is just sort of like dicking around. And and if at, at the end of the episode they give him a, something that he wants or something that he's working towards, I think that could have been. Um, constructive yeah it's kind of like a midlife crisis episode like he doesn't yeah. know what he's about and then he stumbles upon it by the end of the episode yeah yeah but they they don't do that. no they because it's like this this seems to be a voyager trope like they, they focus on the plot i don't this show does not really care about its characters at all it, it's it's much more interested in the uh, like the sci-fi plot that they're pushing and in this case it's not even really a sci-fi plot it's just the plot of the the episode that's going on but i I feel like this is this show is probably the most schizophrenic in its characterization of its cast members, I think. And like no one no one really is grounded in a way that you feel like you could actually pluck out stories and say, This one's a Tom story, this one's a Bolana story. Like at this point I really don't know unless your story is about doubting your own reality, which is a doctor story, there's yeah. n- anyone else can take any of the stories. And I, I feel like even on Enterprise, they did a better job than that. Even though they only did it with like a couple of the characters, you you still felt like you you knew where the characters belonged. And this one's, um, I think it's all part and parcel of my like issue with the tone of the show. And, and I thought mm-hmm. that this episode brought that too. It just feels Saturday morning uh, when like Neelix is doing his little drug deal and like the drug deal yeah. dialogue and stuff like that. It just doesn't. It, none of it really works for me it's all functional but it's not it, it doesn't hold my attention whatsoever yeah i <laughs> that first that first drug deal sequence like neelix's reaction to that is the most uh 
naive, unbelievable reaction I've ever seen. It's like, you didn't know that this was a fucking drug deal? Come on, man. <laughs> and he says it right in front of the other guy, right? Like, it's the uh, the guy, he's completely, um, he, he says something along the lines of like, is that narcotics? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's like you could see in, for that scene underneath his little nice vest he wears, you could see his Dare logo shirt that yeah, he was wearing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the sizzling. He should should have opened with him cracking an egg on a frying pan. Yeah, that would that have been awesome. Been, that would have been good, actually. That yeah. would have been pretty good. <laughs> Do you remember? Um, were you were you a big Saturday morning cartoon kid? Yeah, for I mean, for the like the limited window I had of Saturday yeah. mornings. Yeah. Do you remember a? anti-drug special that had every single Saturday morning cartoon character in it? No, I don't think so. No. They were all animated, I, obviously. It's just like, yeah. a, hmm. was yeah, it Dare? Yeah, I remember, uh, was it, it might have been Dare related. It was, <clears throat> I remember it blew my mind because, you know, as someone who grew up reading comics and stuff, it's always fun when Spider-Man shows up in the X-Men comics and the crossovers are always really fun. Yeah. <clears throat> this was like, this one kid learning the perils of drug use and running into every single uh, Saturday morning character you could think of. So, like, he runs into Garfield, who shepherds him into the next scene, and then he, like, trips and falls into a sewer, and the Ninja Turtles show up. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, then the Care Bears, like, blast him out of jail and stuff. It, Is it he was, already high at this point, or are they trying to stop no, him from getting high? they're trying to stop him. I think they, I think they turn the drug... <laughs> I think they turn the drugs into some sort of like creepy monster thing that's yeah. coming after him or whatever, as sure. they usually do, like in those truth ads. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I watched that thing a whole bunch of times because it was just like, when am I ever going to see the Ninja Turtles interact with Garfield? The answer yeah. is never. Yeah. <laughs> even even in this IP frenzy that we're at now, that still hasn't I know. happened. I, don't I know. Think. It might be coming pretty soon. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. If you're out Did there. Did you hear about the, uh, the end of, I don't know if I should spoil this for people who haven't seen it, mm. but- the end of the new Transformers movie. Have you heard what happens? No. Do they transform? Okay. Well, we can do. No, we can do a spoiler, I, we can do a spoiler warning for if you don't. If you don't care about the Transformers, skip the next two minutes. Uh, or if you do care, GI, GI Joe shows up. Okay. <laughs> and they are apparently starting a new Hasbro movie universe. Like, it seems very similar to what they did with the Godzilla movies, where like at the end of the first Godzilla movie, it's like. They show you the Kong logo for like yeah. the Kong project. Did they ever cross over outside of that? That seems like a natural fit for some reason. Yes, they did. In the oh. comics all the time. G.I. Joe and Transformers crossed over quite a bit. And wow. they are actually, another spoiler, they are doing that again uh, with uh, Image. One of the, Robert Kirkman, the guy who created Walking Dead, his imprint has the rights to Transformers and G.I. Joe. And he just, they just put out a new comic where the much like the movie, the secret ending of the comic is that it's uh, it's Transformers and GI Joe. Hmm. All right. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. What 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 Joe do you see at the end of Transformers? I you know, I don't think you see any actual character. You just it's like it's like the Avengers where or the end of Iron Man where it's like I'm, I've come to talk to you about the GI Joe project oh, or okay. something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> it's not like Snake Eyes bursts in and right. kicks Starscream in the face. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I know that that movie is obviously a more realistic and gritty down to earth feature. Yeah, um, well, that'd be interesting, I suppose. Mm. Maybe not, but I mean, I haven't seen I haven't seen the Transformer movie since like the second one. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
was there always the thing of like, no, because I feel like there must be a bit like when someone gets into a car that's a transformer and the transformer transforms and like destroys the person inside of them. You know, <laughs> that happens. That happens in the Clerks cartoon. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I don't know if it's ever happened in in real life. I mean, you would you would think yes, that would happen, but I don't know. Uh, if they've ever actually really done it, but they did do it in the Clerks cartoon as a gag. Okay, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. All my good ideas taken by cartoons that ran for six episodes. Although, in the Transformers movie, Spike, the human character, does get a, a robot suit yep. that allows him to fight as a robot and also transform into a motorcycle, so that's pretty cool. Oh, nice. No dislocations or anything. No blood. Apparently just, not. Just, no, he seemed to be fine. Nice. He also did say shit, and it was like crazy as a kid. <laughs> Do you remember that? There was the version of Transformers where he says shit, and everybody was like, have you seen the, have you seen the one who swears? <laughs> That's the Blu-ray right there. You got yep. to wait for that one. Uh, Wix here. I'm just anyway, through this. Sorry yeah. for the tangent. No. <laughs> I don't I, have much to say about this episode. This is just a, I mean, this is just a bad, we're in a bad stretch of this show. Um, I'm just looking at the trivia here to see if there's anything, because there was a little bit of trivia that I thought was kind of interesting. Let me see here. Oh, they cut. This was this, the episode that was supposed to feature the breakup scene between Neelix and Cass, but they cut it. Oh, interesting. And it actually kind of made sense because it was saying that it was written right before he goes off for his final drug deal where he might die. Mm-hmm. And so he talks to her and says that, like, right before I go on this trip, I present the leaking. Uh, I wanted her to know that I relished her, what, her and what we had and that I still love her as a friend. That's Ethan Phillips talking about what the scene was about. But. They cut it because the show doesn't give a fuck about characterization he, at all. He he gives her the the Pee Wee Herman speech where he's like, "I'm a loner, Dottie. I'm a rebel. <laughs> I got some narcotics to move, babe. Step out of my way." Yeah, it was deleted. But I mean, isn't isn't that just like that's the uh, that's the same thing that they did that ruined parts of Nemesis? You know, they cut out the bit that means yeah. something to the yeah. characters. And instead, they were just like, let's have the ships crash into each other and let's have Neelix go down and uh, inflame some plasma or whatever he does. I recently rewatched Nemesis as I was working, and I couldn't believe that final sequence because Data runs off, Jordy goes with him, and they don't even say anything to each other. And Data just leaps out of the ship. <laughs> and Jordy just watches him go. And I was like, what? There's, there's got to be something missing here. There's got to be a missing scene. They got a deep connection. They talked about it off screen. Yeah. And uh, the turbo lift down to the, the hole in the ship. I yeah. Guess. So that's, the, that's the, the scene that actually gets cut. They'll figure it out. They understand. Um, yeah. I just feel we're in a, this is kind of a weak stretch of Voyager episodes that we've been watching. Um Neelix, I don't know. There's not there's not much else to to really say about him. I mean, what's your what's your take on this point of Voyager? Do you have any like larger thoughts about this series as it stands, or because um, I, you know, we try to be fair to the shows and the series, yeah. and so I'm always wondering like, are we at this point because we've seen so much of it, or if we had watched it in order? Would Voyager still be hitting us the same way that it is? Mm-hmm. And honestly, the only thing that sort of stands in the way is that we've seen Enterprise after this. Yeah. So what do you think? Do, if you were watching this through, or say you started 
with Voyager in a pod, in this podcast. Would we feel the same way about this show at this time? Uh, or this stretch have of episodes? I, have, I, have I watched any Star Trek before in this theoretical Yeah, you've seen you've situation. seen what you had seen before we started the podcast. I see. Okay. Um I think I would be doing a lot of jumping around based on internet research because uh, it's jumping around. To what? Know. Sorry. Well, sorry. Like I, I think my my if I if I was not part of this podcast and just someone who was watching Voyager, yeah, I would be picking and choosing what episodes I watched based on like gotcha like ratings or ratings something, and things. So you'd pick like the top ten and the bottom 10 yeah because it's like just it's just like i don't know it just it's so down the middle yeah and kind of like wavers to either side of the line um in a way that's not really super satisfying yeah uh, unless you're just looking for a star trek dopamine hit <clears throat> i think what's interesting about it compared to the to the new shows that they do is they manage to ride that star trek dopamine line without doing a ton of references i mean they they do obviously they've we they've pulled them out in the past but it's not like it's not like something like strange new worlds where every episode has something familiar in it to yeah. just kind of spike your star trek insulin you know yeah yeah it's uh... and i and maybe i don't know if that's ultimately a negative because what they're doing with their quote unquote new stuff is not super engaging at this point. I, I think it's, I think it's a show that's kind of like, uh, ironically enough, lost at sea a bit, where yeah. it's not really sure what it wants to be, um, or if it has to be anything. Like, if, if it, are they just letting the current take them? Yeah. Just week to week, just putting something out. They're yep. wearing the suits. They're on the ship good enough i don't know yeah they because they tried their little serialization adventure right in season two they had that bad investigations arc that was running like the the mole on the ship arc that ran forever and that was just bad and it seems like they saw how bad that was and they kind of retreated back to where they just want to do like a standalone episode and not bother with anything uh Mm -hmm. that the the series has to use to like define itself as a new thing I find it just um, in comparison. Like, if I, w- I'd probably be slightly higher on it if it was our first show that we were watching for the podcast, right? Yeah, I think just because, like, a lot of it is it's kind of a, a bland competence that's not particularly interesting. But like, early on in the podcast, we might have just been like, well, it's kind of novel that we're watching all these things in a row mm. at this point, so maybe this is mm. better. I don't. I still don't think I would have thought it was very good. And yeah, I think the thing that I'm missing is I really think that like TOS, DS9, and TNG, which are probably the three best Star Trek series, um, had a cast of characters that like when they talk to each other, I was just kind of interested in the t- the characters talking to each other in a way. Sure. Like yeah. in Voyager, yeah. I, I feel like all the Voyager characters, if you just like swapped to them out of scenes, they would have the exact same conversations with each yes. other. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've, we've talked about that a million times where nobody has a point of view. Yeah. And it, so the only the only one who has close to a point of view is 
Torres. Yes. And she's not really featured that much. But no, no I I think I, I don't know if I would like it more because the thing that's the, because of the reasons you're talking about, the thing that's missing is and the thing that makes even the the bad episodes of T and G bearable. Yeah. Is the you like those characters. Right. And they all have their kind of identifiable thing that you like about them. Whereas on this show, everybody's pretty bland. Yeah. I mean, Janeway is kind of interesting depending on what episode you get with her. The doctor is interesting. Uh, but like Tom Paris sucks. Harry yeah. Kim sucks. Neelix <laughs> yeah. sucks. Cass has had potential. Chakotay blows. Yep. Volana uh, Torres is the last one. Yeah, she's she's got potential, but you know they don't really do much with her. No. Oh, Chakotay, what a fucking waste <laughs> of space. <laughs> yeah, I, it, maybe that's the fundamental um, thing about it because everything else kind of lines up with like it, it feels like TNG in a lot of other ways. It's just there there is something there is something a little bit off with the way that they uh, choose to do their stories, but I think largely it just draws from I'm I'm not particularly interested in. There's no scene where I'm like, oh man, finally Tuvok is going to talk to uh, Harry Kim right oh, now. Oh, I forgot. I forgot about Tuvok. Tuvok. Tuvok's cool. I like Tuvok. Tuvok was. They haven't done anything with Tuvok in a season and a half. I don't think. No, but I mean, like he's he's the one character, more, probably more so than Torres, because he shows up. Like who, like any scene he's in, you know immediately what yeah, his deal is. That, that's fair. You know. Yeah. Whereas everybody else is just kind of like, well, okay, yeah. True. Let's let's go to the resort and talk about it. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, like Harry and Tom talking to each other is the exact same character talking to each other. You know, it's just like it's right. like a guy talking to a mirror, that, and which is surprising because they're supposed. You know, Harry's supposed to be the wet behind the ears, like novice character, but he's he's he, he just talks to Tom as if he's his friend. I don't know. Yeah, the show needs more Deadwood. Yes, I need to I need to see Harry call but Tom a gun. <laughs> I would, and then just, Tom say, "Don't you motherfuck me, Harry Kim." <laughs> they need, they need, uh, they need Dayton Callie in this. He, he should just, be, yeah. he should be but, Neelix. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> if you replaced Neelix with Charlie Utter, oh, this would be, instantly be the best Star Trek show ever. That would be, that would be worth it. Yeah, it's it's too bad, and I don't. Um, he develops he develops a kinship with one of the holographic <laughs> horrors in the Shafuk. Oh man, how's it feel with no one to stick up for you? <laughs> Just beating the shit out of Tom Paris. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm you know seven comes in a couple episodes, so that's a, oh, a really? shift. Okay, not a couple. I mean, relatively speaking, we not got sure. we okay. got uh, ten episodes or something until she shows up, but. Um, seven's coming, so maybe things will change at that point. But I just, uh, I don't know. I mean, we started said at the start the Voyager is a Star Trek podcast killer. Um, so I, I don't think it's just us reacting this way. I just, I, I don't know. I, I find what I find what it difficult they, to watch. What if they did a subplot with uh, Charlie Utter on Voyager where he discovers that, um, is it Charlie Utter or is it Charlie it's, Utter? It's just Charlie Utter. Okay. It's Charlie Utter. <laughs> yeah. Where he discovers that Tom Paris likes to go into Shafuk to murder women. <laughs> <laughs> I pro I promise I won't I won't tell Captain Janeway. 
I gave you my word. I will tell no one. <laughs> That's <laughs> all I wanted to know, Charlie. Just just stomps him on the bridge in front of every Janeway, dragging him <laughs> off, saying, what did he do? Charlie, why Personal are you... fucking business. <laughs> Charlie, why are you... Why are you breathing on Paris's neck so close to him right now? He stepped on my foot, Captain. Uh, the doctor could say, yeah, it's like if he had corns, that could be an issue. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I mean, hey, he was already on the show. He was the most interesting character on the show for the three episodes he was on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I... I mean that that's the uh, I'm I am just picturing Charlie Utter walking around and like how like affronted like Neelix would be by, by talking to him or something but yeah I just re- replacing one character with a Deadwood character just any character just makes it like if if the Doc Cochran was the doctor yeah and you've got Neelix they've they've taken your lungs please don't make me cut you open please don't make me do it Oh, uh, we do have a Deadwood podcast. If people are stuck in the doldrums of this, you can go to something pretty and search for it on your favorite podcast app. And there it is. I guess we're done with this episode, Clay. There's not much else to talk about. We can just go to Patreon thoughts. Mm. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I'm not, I, I sound like I'm super concerned. I'm, I'm, I'm not concerned in the fact that I, uh, I do feel like I report on these episodes as I see them, really. So I'm like, I'm yeah. not, I don't think I'm overly burnt out on, Star Trek. That's definitely something that's there, but mm. it's like Voyager is just. I think ninety percent of it is just that the, these Voyager episodes have been bad. They're just yeah, they're just bland. Yeah. I, I'll be honest with you, it's they are difficult to keep my attention. Yeah, yeah, I I hundred percent agree. I I have trouble watching them sometimes. Um, so let's go to patron thoughts here. Now, if they do a three episode arc where they have to hide the fact that Janeway has had a stroke and is dealing with a with a bladder stone, then maybe they get me back. I don't know. I think when we get to seven, because we've watched Picard and seen mm-hmm. recent seven, I think we'll have at least 10 episodes of stuff to talk about there, you know, just to see sure. where, where it started from. So we'll see. But also check out Deadwood. This is our thoughts from the patrons. If you go to patreon.com slash the Penske file, you can support the show. And one of the perks you get is that you can leave your comments about upcoming episodes and we read them on the podcast. So I'm going to click into your little Discord chat room here. There I am. Uh, do you want to go first or second? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Either one. All right. I will say flip a coin. <laughs> Play your heads. <laughs> okay. Tails. All right. So I go first. All right. Glad Kyle Barat use- says fair trade. Artificial intelligence to figure that out. <laughs> Logging into chat GPT is half the work. Kyle Barrett says, fair trade. I brought some sho- I bought some shoes from a drug dealer once. I don't know what he laced them with, but I was tripping all day. Nice. It's good to get some actual character drama with Neelix, and it's interesting to see him wrestle with his ever-growing unusefulness and finally <laughs> ask the questions we've been asking for multiple seasons. But the episode gets too caught up in all the criminal schemes and loses sight of the main issue at hand. Although I guess that's fitting, considering Neelix does too. And where has all this cool alien makeup been for the past three seasons? Three Vulcan engineers being set up for a future episode out of five. They did. Um, I was surprised at how much they were going hard on the makeup. Yeah. Because those those characters were not like, I doubt we're ever going to see any of those guys. Maybe we'll see the drug dealers again at some point, but it wouldn't surprise me if not. And they just, they just 
I don't know. Maybe the makeup guys are bored too, and they're just like, "Well, let's just do it. Kick, go for it. Kick it up." I mean, but if anything, this is the episode where you go fall back on let's glue different bits of shit to people's foreheads. Right. You know, yeah. there's a lot of aliens right. in it. Uh, this is Patrick Sebo with this comment. Neelix is nervous, so it's starting to pester. At least Kess is split so that he can't molest her. At the crew's insistence, ship's making some distance, but oh, my sweet prince, every court needs a jester. Two reasons to kick the toad off the show, a uh, ship out of five. Yep. Tax Bear says, fair trade, developing Neelix and having him question his purpose is good on paper. Considering how much crew Voyager has lost just by being pulled into the Delta Quadrant, surely there's use for more people anyway. That said, having another Talaxian there to reflect on was a nice touch. He has longer sideburns than Neelix does. Wixaban does or whatever his name yeah. is. I don't know if that's like a... A marker like of a, his yeah, virility. <laughs> <laughs> this is fair trade from fair uh, trade. Justice for Toonshoe. Yet another Voyager episode of Chakotay and Tom Paris wandering around like latte liberals at an alien <laughs> farmer's market while everyone else on Voyager is working. I always felt like people were too harsh on Neelix, although I know for a fact that both Wes and Clay probably saw a faint glimmer of hope when Neelix said he was considering leaving Voyager. Honestly, didn't even didn't even track. <clears throat> uh, Chakotay's lifeless aura is impacting other aliens in the Delta Quadrant as it seemed like all the supporting characters in this episode were talking with the enthusiasm of being forced to talk to your in-laws. Mm. I guess the Vulcan had an excuse. Three Taffa Ales out of five. Yeah. Well, at least I feel like we're connecting with the patrons on this episode. Real Lavi says, fair trade. Neelix was a mistake. <laughs> Kensito says, fair trade. I really like this episode. For once, Neelix fits perfectly, and it's great watching the writers grapple with something that the audience realized in season one, that Neelix is pointless. Only the ending takes away from that. Yes, he's pointless, but he's family. Four out of five. Four, all right. Woodrow with fair trade is our next comment. Yeah, I mean, did we talk about that ending scene enough? Um, I feel like, I guess I, I guess we did. It's just that, like, the reason it's so unsatisfying is because you know nothing can be different about it. It's like not even not even mildly different is allowed on this. So it's like right, yeah. Janeway just has to yell at him and he gets a punishment that we're not going to see. You know, so it doesn't yeah. happen, really. There's nothing, yeah. nothing new. We take, don't at least get take five away episodes of him cleaning the shitter. I don't think so. I'd be, I'd be shocked if they did. Like, take away his chef rights or something like that. I don't know. Like, mm -hmm. what else does he have? Anyway, this is fair trade from Woodrow. It's January seventh, nineteen ninety-seven. Yesterday, Deep Space Nine aired *The Darkness and the Light*, where pregnant Kira faced the dire consequences of her terrorism and violence. Today, I am watching a Neelix episode where he traffics drugs and suicide bombs a space station, and the consequence gives him a smile. <laughs> Is this really, are we really at the darkness and the One light out of era of DS9? Wow. DS9's moving along. I do know this is the first episode where uh, Voyager is doing a little bit of franchise continuity because the DS9 episode before this, I think, was the first one that used the first contact Star Trek uniforms, which are like the modern oh, movie really? ones. So oh, okay. this is actually Voyager making sense with itself, which is that the characters in Voyager do not update their uniforms because they're <laughs> a million miles away. They don't have anybody next episode. You know, is anybody kind of looking for a change? What's that? Um, <laughs> I could go for a change. What's that thing where evolution happens in two different genetic lines and they end at the same point? It's kind of like how bats and birds... Both fly 
they're like they develop the same thing and Voyager would oh, just yeah. have someone sew exactly the same costume that uh, DS9 is wearing and say this is what how we're come, wearing too. How come birds never develop sonar? Because um, they have eyes? Well, bats have eyes. I saw them. I saw their do they work eyes. I don't know how, why they how, didn't. How good do they work? Bat eyes? Yeah. Not very good, I don't think. Yeah, they're notoriously blind. There's a whole saying based around yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why birds didn't develop sonar, although... Only no bats and dolphins and whales have sonar, right? I think those are like I was, the three things. I was going to say no one ever came up with a saying about how good a bird's eyes are, and then I completely forgot about <laughs> eagle eye. uh, eyes eyes like a hawk or eagle eye, yes. So, <laughs> Yeah, birds can see pretty well. Birds no one are says just dinosaurs. Like, that's true. <laughs> no one ever says, like, you got eyes like a pigeon, boy. Yeah. And if they do, it's it's not a compliment. So No. <laughs> Is there and there's no is there a saying about a pigeon? Uh, only that they're fake because you can never. Have you ever seen a baby pigeon? No. Yeah. I don't think so. Yep. Yeah. Well, why haven't I seen a baby pigeon? I see the pigeons nesting all over the place. I don't know. Yeah. Great question. And how come morning doves are accepted when they are just pigeons? <laughs> do, you, do you know the answer to that question? We have morning doves, and I'm like, look at these beautiful I birds. Don't. But if a pigeon were to land next to it, I'd say, look at that piece of shit that just flew into yeah. my yard. Yeah, Urban rat. Or bird rat, or whatever they want to call them. Um, yeah, I don't know. So darkness and the light. Where we could DS9 is at peak uh, forces right now, and we are watching uh, Neelix sell narcotics. Jaron Hatch says, fair trade. Call me a square, but I remember being a six-year-old coming home from first grade and cheering every time the Voyager after-school special came on. Neelix Tells a Lie was always one of my favorites and taught me a valuable lesson on why it's important to tell the truth. Compared to this, Schoolhouse Rock is a pale shadow and can suck it. Two random Ensign Vorix out of five. Uh, Jonathan J.K. Morris says, Fair trade. It's nice the show acknowledges how Voyager has finally left Kazon space, but Neelix isn't believable with the doubts he's expressing. It screams forced tension. It ruins the premise of the episode. Two mischaracterizings out of five. Do you think this would work better if there wasn't a friend involved and he gets caught up in this bullshit just because he's, like, trying too hard? So he initiates the whole thing on by himself? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't hurt. I don't think. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're just shooting off the cuff. It would be hard to figure out how he would get involved that way. It's not mm. that it's impossible, but it, it. What if he just walks walks by a store that says maps, and then he goes in and he's like, "I need a map," and they say, "Well, I need you to do something for me first. Download this here. It should have been more. You know, it should be more like a history of violence. Like this guy comes in, and he's, he's just like Joey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, listen, man, I just sell coffee. Neelix stomps on his fucking neck. <laughs> <laughs> that that's the way that like they needed to just have Neelix just be harboring some incredibly dark shit that's going on here. Yeah. And Wixaban or whatever his name is recognizes him. Yeah, you would think it would be like Kess could be part of it where it's like, yeah, something, something Wixaban, and she goes, No, hmm. not that fucking guy. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know. Is Kess in this episode? Just in that one scene at the end, I think, after he wakes up. Oh, in that's right. Bag. Yeah, when he wakes up. She doesn't seem to care really <laughs> about, about what has happened to her longtime ex-boyfriend, who she's been with for literally half yeah, of her, her life. Yeah, her whole life, I think, at this point, 99% of it. This is Aaron Million. 
Fair trade. Can nobody tell that Neelix isn't being truthful? He seems uncomfortable in the staff meeting and sits there after everyone gets up, yet Janeway says nothing. He's clearly nervous and ill at ease when Tuvok interviews him, then asks Tuvok if he can stay behind for a drink with Wixian after just telling him that he isn't that close to him, yet Tuvok suspects nothing. He quizzes Tom Paris about how and why he got into trouble, yet Paris doesn't follow up on it. The ending scene doesn't quit, doesn't quite hit right either. Neelix ends up smiling after getting tongue-lashed by Janeway and assigned a miserable job to do. Really odd choice not to have Kess in this episode, except for a cameo at the end. There you go. She could have seen that something was bothering Neelix, made him tell her, and then either make him go tell Janeway on his own or threaten that she would do it if if he if he did not. That would probably end up with Wixaban like shiving Kess or something. <laughs> <clears throat> I realized that would have made this a different episode as the writers wanted to show what decision Neelix would ultimately make, but this one reeks of after-school special vibes. <laughs> I read that weirdly. This one reeks of after-school special vibes. Mm-hmm. Two costly maps that don't exist out of five. Yeah. I I, I am kind of done with any Kess and Neelix scene talking to each other about something. Mm-hmm. I, I don't need to see that ever again, so as, as long as they don't do that, I'm I'm okay with it. Norman Buckold says, Fair Trade, perhaps one of the most underrated episodes of Trek. My God. Oh, boy. A very good character development episode of Neelix and much, much better than Jatrell. Really? Um, okay. Do you remember Jatrell was the uh, the atomic bomb episode with Neelix where he was like, I was a commando at some time and like we went and had to kill all these people. Mm. Uh, writing could be improved just a bit and perhaps maybe here write in to be clear that Kess and Neelix are through. But overall, a great story. Four maps he really did not need out of five. Well, hmm. I'm glad you. Uh, I'm glad you liked this episode. That's, that's interesting. Malo Provoso says fair trade. I'm not even going to comment on this episode. That's how much I didn't like it. And then he has the Vulcan hand emoji. <laughs> nice, nice to see both sides of the. Uh, yeah, they- both sides of the issue there. <laughs> uh, this is Changeling with fair trade. After that standoff with the criminals in the cargo hold, we should nickname Neelix Dirty and Harry. Badum <laughs> Shouldn't that be Dirty and Harry? Uh, I guess Dirty so. But is he, or is he talking about Harry Kim? Dirty and Harry? I guess. Uh, Harry's not in the, the episode, though. No, he's not. After the this- joke takes too much to figure out. It doesn't <laughs> doesn't work. I'm actually surprised. I liked the Neelix episode. <clears throat> I think it's because it doesn't involve him doing dumb antics and having things working out in the end, but him screwing up and that it is him taking the risks to correct things. I would say he also, does do dumb antics and have things work out in the end. In this yeah, episode. he comes out pretty unscathed at the end there. Also, I swear that Wix is the same Talaxian that we met in the episode where Torres gets split in two by the Vidians. Three Neelix is squirming in his chair like he has been called to solve a math, math problem in front of the class with a huge boner out of five. Five. Thanks very much. Matt Ross says, I like this one too, with Neelix realizing his knowledge such that that it is his ending. I still like the idea of a last stop before purple clouds, which oddly are not seen in the next episode. The business-obsessed station manager and Neelix showing some gumption was nice growth for his character, and we get Ensign Borath, which is a nice addition. Do they have space beef jerky? Three rest stops out of five. Yeah, like the idea isn't bad. Like the concept of him feeling useless is interesting, but... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, it's incredible. It went this long, really. With the we've talked about the speeds that they're going. Um, 
the memory alpha was funny because it had a thing from Jerry Taylor who was like, we started thinking at this point, Neil should probably stop knowing where he is. It's like, yeah, he's, <laughs> they've gone tremendous amounts of distance. Uh, Benjamin Espinosa says, fair trade, probably the best Neelix episode. I like Wix, and it's fun watching Neelix dig himself into a hole. Neelix realizing he is no longer valuable reveals his very visible character flaws. The alien design is very inventive, and Mr. Borat, the constable, reminded me of how much I miss Odo. Three exhaust manifold scrubbers out of five. Oops. Hat. Strange that a grown man has to learn this lesson. But it is a relatable dilemma we've all experienced at some point, even if I was 10 years old when I did it. It's also nice that the show asked the question, what benefit does this guy have anyways? I guess the answer is they like him. Enjoyable episode. 3.5 Talaxian insecurities out of 5. This person was in a drug deal when they were 10? I think learning to tell the truth is ah. the, the, the lesson, I think. Ah, I see. Point Extra G says, fair trade. There is a film from 1969 titled The Love God, question mark, where Don Knotts accidentally becomes the Hugh Hefner figure for a Playboy-style magazine. Neelix accidentally getting caught up in a drug smuggling ring seems equally preposterous. And then Grappler John Zorn, I'll send this one over to you. It's a little bit longer. Let you get your reps in. Grappler John Zorn says, uh, sorry, that's there. There were some good things. There were some good things about this episode, but the Orko vibe was so strong with Neelix that I was expecting He-Man to come out at the end and preach to the kids about why it's important to talk to their parents. Orko is actually a really good uh, analog for Neelix. I, I, I like the writers. Who is Orko? Is he he's a He-Man? Orko is the guy from He-Man, the little like wizard, purple wizard guy. Okay. Who just like screws things up all the time. Yeah, right. Uh, I like that the writers explored this moment in Neelix's character development. This, however, doesn't mean that Neelix is a good character or even isn't a bad character or even isn't the single character most responsible for stinking up the entire show. Had Neelix been a serious character from the start, maybe a lot of things would have turned out differently and for the better for 90s Trek. Two Talaxian Eddie Haskells taking talking to sorry, two Talaxian Eddie Haskells talking the beeve into stealing from his mom's purse out of five. <laughs> that is a very old reference. Yeah, Neelix is the worst Star Trek character, right? Um, Let, let's go of like, uh, chronologically. Of like main, He's the first main cast cast characters. I would say yes. Yeah, I think certainly chronologically. He is. Like, he's the first, like, complete dud of a character, I think. Well, it, I guess it depends how you feel about Wesley. No, even Wesley had more of a point than, yeah. than Neelix did, I think. Wesley's yeah. certainly not a great character, but at least, like, I understand, like, the, the kid savant kind of thing. Like, I, I get that, and I feel like they did mm-hmm. stuff with it, but Neelix is This just, has nothing to do with the fact that you share a name with him? No, no, absolutely not. No, okay, it's sure. a beautiful name, but it doesn't mm-hmm. impact yeah, my whatever. opinion whatsoever. Nope, not at all, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> and we both crush ass. Um, <laughs> so, no, I think Neelix is the first bomb. And I think I'm going to do a Patreon, like, character power rankings just because I haven't done anything for Patreon for, like, so do, like mm-hmm. a Star Trek one. But I, I, Neelix is going to be at the, near the bottom of that thing. So, um, who's a contender for post? After, like, Mayweather is a contender, right? Oh, you're saying after Voyager? After Voyager. Uh, Mayweather, yep. Mayweather, um, and who's the, uh, I forget the, uh, the Asian communications in Enterprise, the, the lady. Oh, boy. 
Her name is... Um, Holy crap. We watched four seasons of that show. I cannot remember that, that her, her name for the life of me. Uh, Star Trek Enterprise. Her name is Sato. Hoshi. Hoshi Sato. Hoshi. Yeah. Hoshi. So she's, she's up there too. Yes. Those two are weird because I guess it depends on whether or not you're saying that... Um, Oh, I guess we should wrap this up. But I, I'll read the next comment. But I guess it's whether or not like they have to be... Act- is is Neelix worse than those two who didn't do anything, I guess? So I'll, I'll look at the next comment here and get out yeah, of Yeah, that's, that's tough. Jonas says, fair trade. If you have never seen, a Neelix bef- needs, never seen Neelix before this episode, you might think he was a reasonably interesting character. His clownish personality is mostly absent here. And he was involved in an interesting moral dilemma. Otherwise, a forgettable episode. Three space bomb lectures out of five... Final comment, Artorias says, Fair Trade was a surprisingly decent episode, but it just goes to show that Neelix has no benefit to the series and much less the ship. They may keep him because they like him, but I sure don't. Two failed drug deals out of five. Thanks, patrons, for leaving your thoughts about that episode called Fair Trade. Patreon.com slash the Penske file, the best place to support us. Clay, on our scale of one to five, what are you going to give this episode? Uh, two. Okay. Just riding that two wave. I... I feel like I have to give it a three, but uh, it's a terrible three. It's a bad mm. three. Um, but I, I think it's not un, it's not incompetent enough, I guess, to go down to a two for me. So I'll stick to my ratings and give it a three. But I, I certainly don't like it, and I didn't find it very enjoyable to watch. And it lines up with what someone was saying on the Discord. Sometimes Voyager threes just don't feel like the other series threes in a way. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, but I'll try to be consistent here. I'll give it a three. So Clay gives it a two. I give it a three. That's it for Fair Trade. The next episode is, I forget what it is. It's um, maybe Blood Fever. It might be. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But we'll see. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we get out of here? Check out Rotten Horror Picture Show and the Badass Podcast. And I also have a comic book on the stands right now that I wrote with Sean Murphy and Katana Collins called Batman White Knight Presents Generation Joker. Issue 2 just came out. Um, so yeah, pick those up. Next episode is called Alter Ego, actually. So it's not Blood Fever. Production order is all out of whack. That's it. Thanks everybody for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for being there to hear us talk about this middling season of Star Trek Voyager. We'll see you next time with Alter Ego. Bye. <laughs>